a year of great victory and joy. Let me say that again. If we're willing to cooperate with God, if we're willing to walk in biblical principles, if we're willing to not only desire, but to seek the will of God for our lives, for our church body, 2019 will be a year of victory and joy for you, for your family, and for this church body. In Luke, there are several things that are going on. The first, some religious leaders come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples, they fast. And the disciples of the Pharisees fast. But your disciples don't fast. They just eat and drink. And Jesus, realizing that they're pointing at him, and he says to them, yes, there will come a time when my disciples will also fast, but now is not the time, because I am with them. One of the prime reasons for fasting is to clear our minds so that we can hear what God is, is saying. And Jesus is saying, I am with them. God is with them. They don't need to fast in order to hear what God is saying. I speak it to them directly. And then he, he talks about a parable. He says, you don't put new cloth onto old garments. And there's a silliness about putting new wine into old wineskins. Jesus is saying, in reality, is I want to give you instructions on how to walk in your life. And for us, how to walk in the new year so that the joy and the victory that I have for you will come into being. For whatever I have for you is good. It's never evil. It's never bad. It's never evil or bad for the church, for your life, for your family. And Jesus is talking not to unbelievers. He's not talking to those who need to make a decision for him. He's not talking to those who need to begin their walk with the Lord. But he's talking to those who are believers. But they're believers that need to go back to their roots. They need to go back to where they were when they first believed. Now, as I look at this church body, and I've known this church body for many, many, many years, uh, I realize that a vast majority of us uh, do not need to start anew with the Lord. A vast majority of us know Jesus. However, and I, I try to do this whenever I preach, there may be some here who need to begin anew. They've never given, they've never really given their life to the Lord. Uh, they don't really know him. They know about him. But they haven't received him as their Savior and as the Lord of their life. And this is where you need to begin because it's only in Jesus, only in receiving Jesus, that there is life. There is no other life than that life. You may try other lives, but it never works out. It always ends in a deadness. It's only in Jesus that the Father sent his Son into the world to do one thing. And that one thing was not to save the world. The one thing was 
to do the will of the Father. And the Father said, my will is that you will become the Savior of the world. You will take upon yourself everything that separates those people. Everything and every person. You will take it upon yourself and on your innocent, sinless body, you will die for them. And in receiving them, but only in receiving him, will there be life. And if that's you, the Lord is saying, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day when you begin a new life. And there'll be opportunities here. I know after service, there'll be people over here uh, to pray with you and, and for you. But most of us do not need to begin again. We need to return to our roots. We need to capture the zeal and the, the love and the fire that we had at the beginning. That's what 30, verse 37 and 38 are talking about when it says that you need to put new wine uh, into, you cannot put new wine into old wineskins. You've got to put it into new wineskins. Um, just a little Greek. In this particular text, there are two different Greek words that, that are used for the word new. The first one is talking about the new wine. Uh, it's talking about something that never existed before. Like a baby when it's born, we call it a newborn. Physically, it never existed before. But there's another Greek word that's used for new wineskins. And actually, it means to renew. Renew something that's been there before, like a reupholstering a sofa that has become old and decrepit, and it needs a little facelift. So what Jesus is saying, in effect, is you don't put new wine into old wineskins. You put new wine into renewed wineskins. Now, why? Why can't you just put the new wine into the wineskins that you have. And the reason is, uh, it, in Israel, they didn't make new wineskins every time they had a harvest. The wineskins were made from animal skins. And as the wine came into those skins, it would ferment and it would begin to expand. And the wineskins would expand with them. But as the wine began to be used, what would happen, the wineskins would become dry and stiff. And they've lost their elasticity. And so if you would put new wine into those old wineskins that were now old and stiff and with no elasticity, what would happen when the wine began to ferment and expand, the old wineskins couldn't expand with it and they would burst, and you would lose the wine. And so Jesus says, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. You put new wine into renewed wineskins. And sometimes we, we miss the meaning of that when we, uh, when we read it. As I said, the, the wineskins were made from animal skins. And they didn't make new wineskins every time they had a harvest. They couldn't because there weren't enough animals 
in Israel to make new wineskins every time there was a harvest. And so what they would do would they would renew those wineskins. They'd take those wineskins, old ones, and they would put them in water, and two things would happen. One, that all that residue that was inside would, would leave. But more importantly, what would happen as the wineskins absorbed the moisture, uh, they would become soft again. And they would become elastic again. So now, when you put the new wine into them, they became vessels that didn't burst when the new wine came into them. There are many believers in Jesus who are like old wineskins. They've been stretched. They've been stretched as far as they can go. They've heard it all. They've seen it all. And they can't receive the newness of God. They're still believers, but they're becoming empty. Empty of the presence of God in their everyday life. The presence of God that gives a newness to their life. The presence of God that, that gives a victory and a joy. The presence of God that brings about that desire. Lord, I want your will, whatever it may be, in all areas of my life. Not only do I want it, but I'm going to seek it. How do you know when you become, when you're becoming an old wineskin, uh, the service is too long? The preaching is boring. You don't enjoy reading the word anymore. Or you don't read it as much as you used to read it. Worship, as I said, becomes boring. Prayer becomes a drudgery. And it becomes less and less. You skip worship for any reason. And you compromise all over the place because you don't want to offend anybody. You don't want to bother anybody. You become silent when it comes to the teaching of God's word because it may offend. It may be different. In my ministry, I've seen it especially in two areas. One is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about it anymore because it may bother some people. And yet it's the power of God. In the book of Acts, I, I, I think it was Paul or Peter, one or the other, went to this group and they said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you were saved? And they said, we don't even know about the Holy Spirit. And so what they did, we're going to do something about it right now, right now. And they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Or the gifts of the Spirit. We don't want to talk about that because it may bother some people. Like tongues. A prayer language. To commune with the Lord that the Lord gives or wants to give to every believer. And then a, a spirit of complaining, murmuring, a critical spirit comes in. And when these things begin to happen, we... 
lose the joy of our salvation. We've lost the, the newness, the thrill of being in love with the Lord. The thrill of knowing that I have eternal life. The thrill of knowing that I'm with the Lord now. And when that happens, and, and in that we lose the, we're still believers, but we lose the plan that God has for us. The, the victory and, and the joy, we lose it. When that happens, God says, in order for you to experience what I'm doing, in order for you to experience the new wine that brings life to you and your family and to the church body, you need to have new wineskins. You need to be renewed. You need to be uh, soaked in the life of my presence. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you allow my presence to fill you, you'll begin to be cleansed. You'll begin to be renewed. You'll begin to experience what I have for you. And what I have for you is good. It's always good. You'll begin to have a, that desire again to hear what God has to say and to seek what God has to say. How's it done? How do we get the, in a sense, the stretch back into our lives? How do we get that new wineskin? In the book of Revelations, in the chapter 2, uh, the Lord is giving instructions to John, and he's to speak to the churches in that area. And one of them is the church at Ephesus. And this is what he said. To the angel of the church at Ephesus, write these things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. But then in verse 4 it says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. In other words, they had the form of godliness. They walked in obedience to God's word. They had the right teaching. They had the right theology. But they had left their first love. They had become old wineskins. Again, still believers. But there wasn't the freshness of God's presence in their life anymore. Notice verse 5, it says, Remember, therefore, for where you have fallen. Repent and do your first works. How do we get that elasticity back into our lives? How do we renew that old wineskin? How do we get that desire again as individuals uh, for the will of God in our lives, what God wants? in our lives. Uh, and the first thing is we repent. When we talk about repentance, it's very often we see that as a very negative word. When actually in its truer form, its truest form, it means to align yourself with the Lord. When you when you see that you've made a detour from God, from that path, 
you realign yourself with God's word and God's will. And God, in his love for us, shines his light into our hearts. And when we see that we've gotten off course, we admit it. We repent. And the Lord pours forth his forgiveness and his cleansing. But John says, that's not enough. We need to do our first uh, works. We need to do that. And it starts and it ends with having a love for the Lord. For believers to have a love for God. And the question is, do you love the Lord? In uh, Mark 12, 20, 30, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. In other words, love the Lord with every fiber of your being. Now, in the physical realm, we can remember what it was like to be in love. Uh, many of us, hopefully, not only remember, but we're experiencing that right now. However, there's a tendency when we get married for such a long period of time, although we remember that time when we were in love, we don't act like it anymore. We remember, but we don't act like it. And, and the same with our spiritual lives. We remember that time when we were so in love with the Lord. When we first came to believe, we couldn't wait to be in worship. We couldn't wait to read the word of God. We couldn't wait to share the love of God. But through the years, we've matured. And the love of the Lord begins sliding away or down. But if you're going to experience the victory and the joy that, has, that God has for us, and by the way, if we're going to be able to pass that down to our children, if we're going to be able to do that, then there's two questions that we need to answer. First, do you want to love the Lord with all of your whole being? And secondly, as the Lord shows you that, are you willing, are you willing to take the steps to cultivate your relationship with him? to cultivate the love that is in your heart because you've received him, for that love to grow and to come forth out of you. Are you willing to renew those wineskins? And let me share with you five just short things to renew your wineskins. First, read the word of God. Matthew 4, 4 says, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. By every word. In 1 Peter 2, 2, As newborn babies desire milk, you desire the milk of the word that you may grow thereof. In 2 Timothy 3, 16, All scripture is God-breathed. Every word of the Bible is God-breathing to you. In Genesis, when, when Adam was there, 
He was not alive. He wasn't alive until God breathed on him. And scripture says, then he became alive. When you read the word of God, God's breath is being breathed into your body, into your very substance. You may not realize it, but that's what, what happens. If you feed on the word of God, you're taking the very essence of God's life into your being. And I believe this is why we need to encourage our, our little ones who just begin to read, that we read to them, or get these scriptures that are for a child's level and let them begin reading it. What's happening is God is breathing into them, whether they know it or not, whether you know it or not. Number two, you need to pray. You need to pray every day and during the day. Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. You see, it's in the Word that God speaks to you, that God breathes into you. But in order to have a good relationship, there must be two-way conversations. God not only breathing into us, but us, in a sense, breathing into God. Uh, we need to communicate with him. But there are so many things about prayer that we don't understand. There's so many things that we need to talk about, like pray without ceasing. What in the world does that mean? Jesus prayed all night, and he, well, he expects us to follow his example. What does it mean, praying and fasting. What does it mean to pray in the spirit and pray with your understanding? To pray in tongues and to pray in English or whatever your language is. There are just so many things that are mind-boggling about prayer. But where do we start? Where do we start in praying? Let me tell you where you start. You start by saying the word Father, and you go from there. Whatever comes into your heart and your mind, and God will begin ministering prayer to you. God will begin showing you how to prayer as he brings you into his presence through prayer. You start with the prayer. Prayer needs to be like the conversation we would have with our dearest friends. Number Three, sing praises to God. In Ephesians 5, 9, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. In those first days after you received Jesus, uh, you couldn't get enough of it. You found yourself singing all the time. At least I did. And people would look at you curiously, what's gotten onto that guy? Uh, and he begins singing to the Lord, uh, making melody in your heart. Uh, today, I love you, Lord. Some of the early songs were easier to sing. Uh, you didn't need any accompaniment. But I love you, Lord. God is so good. Just all songs 
Lord, we praise you. Father, I adore you. Begin singing and praising the Lord. We need to speak and we need to sing praises to the Lord. In a sense, it needs to be a way of life. I think that's part of the first soaking of these old wineskins that you begin praising and speaking to the Lord in praise. If you don't, if you've lost it, it's not long before our religion becomes dry and our vessels become empty. Uh, but when you begin to praise the Lord, something will break inside of you. I remember when I first came to know Jesus. We would go, Grace and I would both go to the Lutheran conferences and I would find myself all the time, not just as a, a rote thing, but when people would say something, I'd say, praise the Lord. They'd say something else, I'd say, praise the Lord. And my wife would hit me in the ribs and say, Bob, remember where you are. <laughs> it's something to smile about, but it's also very sad. We need to be people who indeed praise the Lord in front of other people. We need to sing to the Lord. We may not be good singers, but we can sing to the Lord. On your way to work, you know, when you get up in the morning, on your way home from work, when you're at home, when you're in the shower, and everything you give thanks for, this is the will of God concerning you. And when you learn to do that, when you learn to have a life of praise, and worship either spoken or sung, there's very little that the devil can throw against you. Number four, if you're going to stay renewed, if you're going to have those wineskins renewed and continue to stay renewed, you've got to make a, a decision to go to church. Uh, Hebrews 10.25 says, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day coming. It's not only on Sunday morning, but there are other times when the body gets together to worship. But not only worship, they get together to fellowship. And they get together to do the work of the Lord. There are some Christians that are more faithful to other organizations and activities than they are to worship. Uh, they may, may, may miss worship for whatever reason. But when it comes to their organizations or activities, they will, will change family schedules and work schedules and their own schedules in order to be there. Faithfulness to Sunday morning. I say go to church. I don't like to use that term, but that's where it begins. I'm going to church. But when you're coming here, uh, you're coming to worship. And this is what Pastor Billy was sharing. You come to see the Lord high and lifted up and, and you, be, you begin to worship him. You begin to speak not to the people around you. You begin to speak to the Lord. You begin to praise him and glorify him as you see him high and lifted up. You don't let things distract you. You begin to worship and praise and bless him. Uh, that you're faithful to the fellowship that this body has. And you're faithful 
to the work that this body has. And that's essential for renewing the wineskins, for receiving the, the joy and the victory of the Lord in the new year, for being a people that desires the will of God and seeks the will of God, which is always good. It's never not good. It's always, always good. Number five, you talk about Jesus. Psalm 107.2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. So we need a lifestyle of praise and worship and giving thanks, but we need a lifestyle also for looking for opportunities to share Jesus. Uh, Tua, I can't say, can't say his last name, uh, who is a quarterback for, the, uh, for Alabama. Uh, some have said he's the best quarterback in the land, and they may be true. But a couple of months ago on Sports Illustrated magazine, he was on the cover, but not his whole body, just his face was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and beneath both of his eyes were crosses. And in the article, he shared his faith and the faith of his family. Tim Tebow, when he re received the Heisman Trophy a number of years ago, he began by thanking his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he went on thanking everybody from his coaches, his parents, all on and on and on. And then he ended by again thanking his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He took the opportunity to give glory to the Lord in a very simple and easy way. And so when people say to you, like after Christmas, how was your Christmas? Say, yes, I, I, I discovered the reason. I found the reason for the season. And you step out and you begin inviting people to come and to worship. A place where Jesus is alive and where they can come to the same Something happens inside of you in the midst of maybe fears that you have when you begin sharing Jesus with others in just a very simple way. What he means to you. Not in a theological way necessarily, but a very simple way. What he means in your life. If you're hearing the Spirit speaking to you this morning, to whatever degree you've lost your first love or it's not like it used to be, don't deny it. Admit it. For all of us in varying degrees have lost our first love. And get on your knees either literally or physically and repent. Repent. When we repent, when we admit it, the Lord will forgive us and cleanse us, and the Lord will begin moving in our lives in such a way that he's going to renew your wineskins. He'll give you a joy to come to worship again, not just to be here, but to come to worship with his people and to see the Lord high and lifted up. He'll give you a joy, a joy to read the word, a joy to pray and to walk with him, to desire no matter what. God's will for my life and for this church, uh, desiring what God wants and therefore 
experiencing the joy and the victory that he has for you, for your children, little, all the way up, uh, for this church body in the new year. May 2019 be a year of possibilities and potential for you and for this, our church body now. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all of our human understanding keep your hearts and minds in faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord.